Welcome back, Wayfarers. This is Ben and Crystal Woods, your hosts for the We Are Wayfarers podcast. This is season one, episode five, and we're going to lean into how we are to live as Wayfarers, how we let heavenly thinking invade our earthly living. So very grateful you're joining us now. back at it. I'm going to keep digging in, fleshing out the call to a heavenly mindset and everything that comes with that. I'm Ben. I'm Crystal. We're still the same people. <laughs> We're still the hosts. I, I must, I, I do feel like I should give the dogs credit because they are here for all these recordings as well. Uh, <laughs> Judah and Selah, um, they are currently sleeping. Oh, they contribute so much. <laughs> yes, so much. They have been the reason why we have started and stopped so many times. And so we just yielded to their desires and let them lay at our feet while we record. So, yeah, that's that's what's up with all of those those yeah. things. We're all we're all just in our basement, just chilling together. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did learn though that it's best to take their collars off. So when they get up and they start moving around, you don't just hear all the jingle jangle in the background. So, ah. Uh, Hey, so we got some stuff coming up. Um, I think one of the things that I, I always forget to mention is that we, we're going to be bringing in more voices and guests along into this uh, podcast in the coming episodes. Not for a little bit, but uh, we've got a bunch of ideas and we're excited about that. And you're looking at me like, are you crazy? Like, are we No, I'm excited. We, we have a lot of people, I think, who... Um, just our epitomes in my mind of wayfarers, people who have that heart, people who have that posture. And I'm excited for um, you guys to listen to their hearts and get to know them as well. Yeah. Learn not from ju- them not too. Not just friends of the Brave Way Home, but fellow wayfarers. And oh, so yeah. allow that conversation to continue and to expand and keep us moving in the right direction. I'm also kind of excited because I know we're going to be unpacking some of the Team Woods culture codes um, and we'll talk more about that a whole bunch later, but I'm, I'm just kind of geeked out about that. So uh, right now, though, we are focusing on this language of heavenly thinking, invading earthly living, and that when we embrace this posture and this perspective, when we, when we embody it and we live it out, we experience it, but so does everyone else. And so that's what we're going to kind of lean into now, this idea of how do we live this out? It can't just be a slogan on the wall or a phrase at Cracker Barrel on something, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, but it's also like a mandate in Scripture. Like Colossians 3 says, So don't wander around, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Think about the things of heaven. Things of, think about the things you can't see. Yeah, the set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. I love that. Um, Don't only think about the things down here. Again, the whole heartbeat, I think, that Paul is going after is giving people perspective that then shapes their posture, which then leads to living this out in a certain way. And so we're going after that heart posture. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's the First Corinthians fifteen. Like, if our hope is only for this life, then we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised, and so we are to think about the things of heaven, not just the things of earth. Um, just that eternal, the e- eternal perspective. Your eyes on the eternal, the things that we can't see. Again, in in scripture, it says um, the things that we see right now are quickly passing away, but the things we can't see are eternal. And so it's it's kind of a a, a mandate. We are asked to think about heavenly things. We're asked to con- to consider the things beyond the realm that we can see. Yeah, and it's not too. It's not to undermine the way that we live here. It is to bolster the way that we live here. It's that old saying, you know, the, I think it's in a Johnny Cash song, the people are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Yeah, Johnny Cash used it, but it's, it's been said by so many people. Um, nobody knows who to maybe attribute it to, but he's, he's the one who put it to melody. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's a it's a pushback on that 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 cannot be true. Um some of my favorite CS Lewis quotes kind of address that head on. Um in Mere Christianity he says if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Ouch. Yeah. But it's it's a it's it's a reframing for everybody that thinking about heavenly things does not mean ignoring earthly things. It's allowing the realities of what is coming to impact your right now living. Another C.S. Lewis quote is that if you we we love C.S. I Lewis. Love. <laughs> I got a lot of love for Johnny Cash too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I should go on record yeah. as saying that. Yeah, but but he but C.S. Lewis says, "Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in." aim at earth and you will get neither. Once again, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those, those cut. Yeah. I don't, I think it's, it's important as we bring definition to the idea of heavenly thinking, it's not, it's not like, oh, having your head in the clouds and like, oh, do 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 do. Like it's, it's not, it's not that at all. It's faithfully living here. Like you believe that this is true. It's, faithfully walking out your your faith. I know that maybe sounds silly to just repeat that, but it we all know that faith without works, it's dead. And so it may sound obvious, but I think it's it's imperative for us to highlight that, that this isn't at all about being oblivious to the suffering of this world, being oblivious to the things that are broken of this world. It's not mentally checking out and just be like, okay, I've just got to get through this. I mean, the reason why Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica, it was to remind them like, you're here and you're here on purpose. And until Jesus comes back, you should be focused on that, but you should be living that out. Not just hanging out and being idle and all that kind of stuff. It's there's purpose here. Mm -hmm. You are purposed to be here. And so heavenly thinking, invading earthly living, it's not at all ignoring the things that are here or trying to skip what's here to get to the next. It's to give us perspective on where we're headed and where we're moving. Yeah. And I think just to use our metaphor of, you know, we are walking the brave way home, walking a pathway that leads to heaven and home, um, to just 
to just sit around idly is to not move at all, to not travel that path, to not make choice after choice to follow Jesus in the here and now. Um, But when you allow heavenly thinking to invade your earthly living, you allow your life to propel you down that down that road. It is making the difficult decision to endure the difficult decision to continue the determined pursuit of what God set before you. It is living in obedience. It is not just sitting around and waiting for Jesus to come back. It is running to Him. So I think there's just, in the metaphor that we've already built, there's a lot of, of power in that, that um and looking at it from that perspective, it is not just sitting around and waiting for Jesus to come back. It is actively pursuing him as we wait. And preparing, not not only being prepared ourselves, but doing everything we can to call and equip others, yeah. to prepare others. Yeah. Um, yeah. That Second Corinthians 5, that your lives should implore others to be reconciled to Christ. And because he's given us this message of reconciliation that we are to call out to everybody that we see along the way, come back to God. Imploring me, it, it leaves no room for idleness, yeah. right? Like it, it leaves no room for that at all. Yeah. And, you know, that whole fake faith without works is dead. It's almost like Jesus says it so many times in the Gospels where it's like, if you are just listening and don't act on it, what good is that? Like to those who are listening to my words, more understanding will be given. And for those who aren't listening, what they what they think they know will be taken away. It's almost like the parable of the talents where, you know, one one servant was given this much and he invested it and found a return on it. Another one was given this much. He invested it, found a return on it. Um, but the third one just buried it and did nothing with it. And that is the the one servant that that got an unfaithful, um, you know, address. Like like he's the one who deserves judgment. And it's it's the people who know what is good and refuse to do it. So there's a, there's a warning in that. There's a, there's an encouragement in that. That if we are listening, if we are willing to obey, then then God will create an increase from that in faith and in 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 uh, faithfulness. It uh, makes me when you say that, my mind immediately goes to John 14. The like, if you love me, you'll obey me. Yeah. Like, and if you don't, you won't. And like in James, where it's like, if you have faith, but don't act it out, what good is it? Faith without works is dead. Um, but in fact, real faith is exhibited. Is it, It's um, the evidence of it is seen by the way that you live. If you really believe something, you will live it out. Yeah, absolutely. And it impacts every dimension of our life, right? Like every, every area, every facet, every everything is impacted with that perspective because it informs every perspective. You know, one thing I think about often, conversation um, I would often have with uh, people I'm mentoring or uh, interns and stuff of that kind in in a ministry team setting, we would always talk through wrestling with and thinking on this phrase of, if you're honest with yourself, all of your choices throughout a day will ultimately find its way back to, is scripture authoritative in your life? Like, is obedience in your life? And sometimes we can just feel like we can put things on autopilot and we can just coast. 
And the reality is every little detail, how we spend our time, how we, how our thoughts, are we taking them captive or are they taking us captive? How we spend our money, how we, how we spend our words, like all of those things are impacted by the authority of scripture in our life or the lack thereof, mm-hmm. right? So obedience is always going to come back to a big piece of the way that we walk this out because we recognize the bigger picture. Yeah. That's why to me, the, we are the most earthly good when we are heavenly minded. Yeah. And I think like when people think of obedience, they sim- they sometimes just go straight to that place of legalism where it's just we obey because we obey. But obedience in the Bible, that the obedience that God calls us to is to please him, is to to um to do the things that he's set before us, to say yes to him, to join him in the redemptive work that he um is doing all around the world, all around the, this present earth right now. Um, and we just get to join him in it. And I think there's just an invitation. It's not necessarily an, it is an obligation, but it's an obligation out of love, not out of, uh, fear. It's, it's a willful yielding. Yeah. It's willful. It's the praying God, give me the will and the ability to please you. Yeah. And praying like you believe that God can use your faithfulness to usher in on earth as it is in heaven, right? That that mindset for the for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus with whatever moments are entrusted to our care. Yeah. Um, and Jesus says that so many times throughout Scripture, Matthew six, uh, nineteen through twenty one. He talks talks about storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, it is remembering that this world will not last and the things that we accumulate here are just temporary, but the things that we store up, the treasures that we store up in heaven by the good deeds that we do, by the the way that we love each other, by the way that we walk out our faith and the way that we love Jesus actively and, and just throughout our soul, with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, those things are the things that last. Those things are the things that will matter for eternity. So it's, it's, it's more so just like living with, with the real future in mind. It's not short-sighted. It's long-term living. Yeah. I, when you said that, it just made me think, um, I'm going to probably just give a lot of disclaimers often where I'm like, this could be a tangent, um, but that, but you're used to that. You've been, you've been dealing with that for, I mean, tangents are beautiful. I know. I know. I'm just saying that life with me, um, is, <laughs> is like a, Oh, Hey, ha, ha, you know, but, as soon as you started quoting Matthew 6, my mind went to like 1996, 1997, right in that pocket where I preached my very first sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on Matthew 6. Where and was it? Blooming Grove Christian Church. Uh-huh. Was Just I there? As- no, babe. <laughs> it was before you came into my life. Oh, okay. <laughs> Details are not my thing. <laughs> wow. You know, here's the thing. You know, I know I remember the dates. I remember all those markers on our timeline. But um, it'd be cool if you remembered some of them. <laughs> no, I, here's, a, here's, a, here's a sign of love, though. When you find yourself wanting to, to place someone that you love into memories before they came into your life. Because they've had that much impact. Oh, on so life. you wish I was there. Oh, it was like I was goodness there. Goodness, do I wish you were there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But no, you were not there. <laughs> I hadn't even met you yet. Goodness. 
that's where a tangent gets us. Anyway, back to it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about examples in the in the Bible that we are to follow of people who lived this way. So, you know, my favorite one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Hebrews 11, where it talks about all of the heroes of our faith. Um, and I love what it says about Moses. Sorry, I'm going to flip there. Um, I love what it says about Moses because it, it just kind of puts all this into perspective where um, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. <clears throat> and, and then later on in that chapter, it says, um, of of other you know heroes of the faith that they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection, um, because they they are welcoming promises from a distance. They are not satisfied with the things, the empty pleasures that this world can offer. We have our eyes on something bigger, something more lasting, something more substantial. Um, this is an eternal perspective. Letting heavenly thinking impact the way we live right now. Yeah. So. It's that same idea of you're living long term, right? Like yep. you're you're living with with a mindset that believes that this world won't last, which then means you're going to use your time now to impact what will be infinitely longer and better. Yeah. Right. And again, it's what Jesus says: if you are willing to lose your life in this world, you will gain it for eternity. And that's not meaning, you know, that you have to give up everything that brings happiness. Jesus is the one that brings true happiness. That is the place that true joy is found. Everything else that our sinful pleasures, our sinful natures pull us to chase after is emptiness, chasing after the wind. But what Jesus calls us to is life to the full. And it doesn't always look like what the world would classify as a full life because some of Jesus's favorite people, some of Jesus's most famous believers, you know, they lived through really, really difficult things in this world, but they had their eyes on eternity. And because God was calling them to it, they trusted that he would be faithful to give them those promises as they walked forward, even through difficulty, even through um, difficult choices that caused them to turn their back on the pleasures of this world and instead pursue um, something that might be contrary to their own human nature, but because they trust what God set before them, they're willing to walk that direction. Yeah, it's the it's the Romans twelve, right? It's the living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the being done with the patterns of this world, right? For the renewing and the transforming of our minds. Or, I mean, that if that doesn't scream. I'm giving you a new lens. I'm giving you a new perspective to have. But I think it's back to Colossians 3, that for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And I think there's just so much comfort that comes with recognizing that, that this is not forever. It is just for now, especially for people who are familiar with grief or with with a deep sorrow who are acquainted with grief because we, we have just had to come to terms with the fact that this world does not offer what we want, that it's not 
satisfying that no amount of time or fame or success or riches or anything will ever be able to replace what we've lost, whatever, what we are, are groaning for. So I think there's a lot of comfort in that, that truth that this is just for now. It is not forever. There is a homeland. It does exist. It is ahead and we have got to keep going toward it. And it's not just that this world doesn't have what we want. It doesn't have what we need. I think, I think it's confronting the, that question. And I know we've talked about this before. The question of, do I want to want what he wants? That's like facing me having to confront the fact of, do I know what I need? Do I trust that he knows what I need? And do I recognize that it's, it's not going to be satisfied in any of the things here? Mm. And again, that's not to say creation is good. God created good things. He wants us to have life to the full. That's, that's huge. Don't miss that. And at the same time, like we've said before, let the hard things, the painful things, point you to your need for Jesus. Let the good things, the beautiful things, point you to your need for Jesus. And... When heavenly thinking invades earthly living, I think that has to do with us embracing that heart posture that says, I want to want what you want, and what you want is all your children together. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that will then change the way that I live out what I believe deeply here with conviction with resolve, with obedience, with purpose. And it's going to look a lot of different ways for each and every one of us. Absolutely, each and every one of us. But it begins, I believe, with embracing that mindset. Because if we don't embrace that mindset, well, then we won't embody the calling of it. And if we don't embody the calling of it, well, then we won't experience that. And we, and we won't invite other people to experience that. Yeah. I mean, and I think we would get so bogged down in the disappointments of life in this world if we didn't have the hope of restoration ahead, that it, it takes such a concentrated amount of energy to continue to move forward when there's no end in sight for right now to what you're walking through. But the hope of heaven is allowing us to look forward beyond that to where God is leading us in the way that he will restore all of those things to yeah. us. The restoring of all the things that like, I am making everything, everything new. new. Like all the things that are broken. We have no way of even processing right now how beautiful things will be because we've never experienced them as they should be, right? And I, I, I believe, so when we say heavenly thinking, invading earthly living, we are absolutely saying embrace the mindset that recognizes this is not home mm-hmm. and live like that. Mm-hmm. Love like that, lead like that in every dimension of your life. And, and that's, I think, where it begins, I think that's where it allows us to put practical expression to that. We begin to start digging into what does it look like to be a parent 
or a spouse, or a teacher, or a leader, or a friend, or a neighbor. Go down the list, a boss, an employee, and everybody, right? And, and I know we'll get to that in this next one, but, um, but I, I think for me, that's, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. Because we're talking about living like you believe that this world won't last. It's wisely using up your time now to impact what will be infinitely longer and better. And so that's what we're going after. That's what it means to be pursuing the brave way home and wayfaring through. We will be the people that allow heavenly thinking to invade our earthly living, and we will walk that out and invite everybody else to come with us. Thank you again so much for joining Crystal and I as we unpack all of these things that are heavy on our heart, heavenly thinking, invading earthly living. We would love to hear from you. We would love to connect with you, know your story, whether that's finding us on social media or shooting us an email. The best place to go is thebravewayhome.com. Please reach out. We would love to connect.